Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. I know it's been a while. Before I forget, I'm going to throw this in right at the beginning. I'm now on Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. For as little as $3 a month, you can help contribute to the support of this podcast and the growth of this podcast, um, as well as as my music career. I put out all kinds of original music. In fact, I have some things that I'm putting out only on Patreon, not for the general public. I'm also doing breakdowns of chord progressions and lyrics and all kinds of all kinds of perks for people signing up for my Patreon. That's the way of the future. People are on Patreon, artists are on Patreon. That's how we're um, helping to helping to make our income so that we can continue to make music on the highest level. That'll be in the show notes. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Andy S-Y-D-O-W if you'd like to support. Thank you very much for considering. Anyway, moving on. The last two summers, I've felt the need to take a little break from the podcast and recuperate. I love doing it. It's so much fun. It's a joy. It's it's a great hobby, side hustle, whatever. But I always find myself at the beginning of the summer or middle of every summer feeling a little drained and just that I need a few weeks, you know, it's a lot of scheduling and rescheduling and doing the interview and then editing it. And and since quarantine, I've started doing the videos too. And so there's video editing involved to put them up on YouTube. And that's a lot. And and I absolutely love it, but it's nice to have a few weeks off. So I'm feeling refreshed now and ready to jump back in. I said since episode 10 that I was going to make it to 100 and right now we're closing in on episode 50. Just a few left to get there. I can't believe it, actually, that that, that much content is out there. That many great conversations with friends. And I'm very excited about that. I don't even know exactly which one we're on. Is this 45 or 46? I don't know. It'll be, it'll be labeled as such. But just a few episodes left to hit that big 50 milestone, and then I'll be halfway to 100. And maybe it'll go beyond 100. I don't know. But I know that... Unless the powers that be do something crazy, I'm going to make it to 100 episodes. How's everybody feeling right now? Is we're, we're in October of 2020. I think a lot of people are freaked out that the numbers are going to climb back up and we're all going to be inside again. It's, it's really hard to... Uh, oh, as I just got a notification that the Cincinnati Reds are out of the playoffs. That's a bummer. I couldn't watch the last inning. Anyway, back to whatever I was saying. Oh, you know, the numbers are going to go back up. Everybody's going to be back inside. But as of right now, there's a lot of people out and about. There's shows happening. And yet there's also a lot of people that are staying very cautious and, and not going out at all. We're in, a, I think, a weird place where perhaps this is the calm before round two of the storm or perhaps this is where um, – you know, we get a vaccination. I don't know, but people are all over the place with their, with their comfort levels, and it's sort of a weird, a weird time. If you've been, if you've been inside, or you're a musician and you haven't been doing gigs, how are you doing with it? I know when quarantine started, I actually, I'm a glass half full guy most of the time, and I felt actually like I was extremely productive. Of course, I didn't like what was happening to our world in our country, but I sat at home in my studio 
I got the acoustic panels put up and, and made and and I recorded a ton of stuff. I wrote some of my best songs. I took the time to really look through lyrics and every line and dissect what I was saying and correcting myself when a song would normally be done and editing it a few more times. I just, it was great. I was putting up a lot of content. I learned some video editing for the first time. I was all in on the podcast, doing episodes right and left, doing interviews. It switched to weekly instead of every other weekly. I think we're going to switch back now that people are sort of out and about again for now. Um, but it, it, it's, I felt very energized, like I had an opportunity for time to stop and me to get a bunch of stuff done. And then all of a sudden in the last couple months, August, September, I felt very, I don't know what the word is, motivated sometimes, but other days just wanting to sit and watch the Reds game and, you know, or, or hang out with the dog or whatever, just some of that motivation that I always have, that fire, that drive, um, sort of, sort of needed a break, I guess, you know, I needed, I needed a few mornings to sleep in and, and not go to bed at 3am. And so I've been sort of de dealing with that and trying to remind myself that your career and your life doesn't have to be a sprint. There's, um, uh, of course, I want to get as much done as possible and um, achieve as many goals as possible. But at the same time, I think it's been important for me to take some time and sit and enjoy the fall air, if that makes sense. I know I'm just rambling, but how have you been handling everything? Are, are you getting out and gigging? Are you staying in? Are you okay meeting up with people? Are you okay going to shows? Do you have a small group of people that you've accepted as, okay, we're all going to hang out together and we're all going to trust that we're being careful? What's what's going on with you? I'm curious to hear. I hope everybody's doing well. And I, th I guess that's it for now. Um, I'm excited to jump back in. And this is a very special start to season three, if we can call it that, with my dear friend Julia Mendiolea. We go way back. We met at the beginning of freshman year of college. And she was a guitar major, I was a piano major, and I think we met in Ear Training 1, a course which we both tested out of in the first week, and so we, we didn't have that class anymore, but that's, I, I believe, where we met, and then we had a couple other classes together, and we were best friends through college. Uh, we, we hung out, I, not a day went, uh, rarely a day went by where we didn't see each other or at least talk to each other, and uh, she was just a, a great, great friend and or is a great great friend and and helped get me through get me through college and all the all those college things and those 19 20 year old things so i'm very grateful to julia for that and i'm glad that i was able to finally get together and chat with her she lives in denver still but we haven't seen each other in denver in a long long time in fact the last time we saw each other was in portland uh, in february of 2019 I was getting ready to do a week-long residency at Al's Den in Portland, and the act I was performing with one of the nights was Isabeau Vayau Walker, who was on an episode of this podcast just a few episodes ago, and Julia plays in a group with Isabeau called Ila Bamba, which has been doing very well and touring nationally, not right now, obviously, but they're filling up. Uh, Globe Hall and Bluebird-sized venues and, and bigger all over the country. 
and she's Julia is a part of that group, and they're based in uh, in Portland. So she was out there getting ready to start a tour, and there we were. We met up for breakfast. It was great. We caught up, and we haven't seen each other in person since. And we always say we're going to get together, and I hope we I hope we can soon. But it was a great conversation. Uh, she's been a great friend. She's a great musician. She plays all kinds of different instruments, and she's singing now, doing some singing in Ilabamba. She works with synthesizers, and we get into all that. We get into what it was like being the first female guitar major at CU Denver. I think when she arrived, I'm trying to remember, in 2009, she was the first one since 1989 or something like that. So we talk about that. We talk about a lot of things, um, and and she's very knowledgeable. And it was just a great conversation. It's been a, it's been a few weeks since I had the conversation because of the season break. And as I'm going back and listening through to parts and um, and reflecting and thinking about the conversation, it was it was a a wonderful a wonderful chat. And I'm very thankful to still have that friendship and that we were able to get together and and talk for a while. So I know this was a longer monologue. I apologize. It's the beginning of a new season. But let's get into my interview with Julia Mendiolaya. Julia! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing so good. It's so good to be here and I'm excited to get to catch up and talk to you and see see what's going on in this this world we find ourselves in. This crazy world. I'm really glad to get to catch up with you and we were literally best friends in college. We hung out. Not a day went by where we didn't hang out. No way. We- we cried together like every day, I think. We were together every day. That's right. Um, it, through it all. And it's funny that the lab we were just saying the last time we saw each other was in Portland like over a year and a half ago. Yep. We, yep. we haven't seen each other in Denver. We still live in Denver, but it's just been a while. A while. A, wi- a while. A while. A while. <laughs> I don't know where I picked that up. but You got uh, I know where you picked that up. Where did I pick that up? World geography, dude. (laughs) It was straight up that guy, our teacher, that guy. He was always like, what? (laughs) Hey, I love Wahoo. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Exactly. Um, Yeah, world geography. We took all of our core. We started taking our core classes together, too, not just our music classes. We were both music performance majors, and you were doing recording arts as well, I think. Um, I did double. You did the double. Oh, yeah. And, but we took some core classes together, too. And you were... Yeah, did. That was really beneficial for one of us. That was, yeah, I know. I know. Do you want to tell, do you want to tell the people? I think you should. I think this should be a good time for a confession. (laughs) I may or may not have, like, totally cheated off of Julia sometimes on some assignments that were not music related (laughs) my favorite though is that um while that is true this funny thing would happen whenever we did like a group assignment or like a a paired assignment i remember one time we had to make this powerpoint on like vesuvius or something and uh we got very competitive with each other i remember like we like 
we're getting like mad about what the PowerPoint should be like, <laughs> which says a lot about our personalities. <laughs> Who's Vesuvius? That's what I want to know. Who? Yeah. It's like a, it's, isn't it a volcano in Italy? See? Okay. Yeah. Where were, the, where were you during? Yeah. <laughs> you got more out of the assignments than I did. And, and uh, we just had different philosophies about life at that time. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, well, thank you. Thanks for all that. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Let your parents know. Yeah, they're going to listen. They're going to find out. They're gonna <laughs> I, can't, send, I can't wait. They're going to send me back to school um, <laughs> to, to complete. God, can you imagine? Oh, my world God. Geography. World geography and psych and whatever else. But you know what? I paid attention to the music classes. I excelled in those classes. I worked hard. As that's what I cared about. I like that you just had to throw that in there. You know, I did. I did. <laughs> you really did. No, I remember. You took it so seriously, and I feel like – I feel like where I was really concerned with getting good grades, you were really concerned with like making sure you were prepared for ensembles and like, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know how far we want to get into like thinking about school, but uh, yeah. What, what do you, what, what is your, as somebody who's been through school, what's your general philosophy at this point? I mean, you see a lot of musicians out there now that do have four-year degrees or even further uh, you all see a lot of people that don't, but I think there's very rivaling opinions on musicians going to college or anybody going to college these days. What are your What are your thoughts? Oh, I have so many thoughts. I'm like, <laughs> how do I organize my thoughts in real time? Um, first, I want to just say, like, I'm so grateful I went to school, and I recognize it is an immense privilege that I had to uh, have that kind of possibility be a part of my life like yes I was able to go where I went due to like an academic scholarship um, but I know a lot of people even with scholarships couldn't have afforded um, that kind of privilege so number one I'm grateful for what I had and I recognize the privilege that goes along with it more and more all the time um, as far as like how it relates how like you know, academia relates back to uh, what what may or may not be a necessity as like a working musician. Definitely, I don't think it's necessary, but I, I know that um, I utilize the things that I learned at school all the time, whether it's with the gigs that I'm playing or with the way that I teach my students or um, especially what I do at um, the synthesizer well, and also like pedals company WMD that I work for. So um, the recording program really helped me understand just the way that like sound works, you know, from like basic signal flow um, to like how to look at an oscilloscope and like understand like what's going on. So definitely like I use all of those things, um, but man, it's like, there's so many different ways to answer that question because there's my personal experience and there's like the broad scope, broad scope, I would say like, I feel like it just really depends on like how much a student knows what they want to learn. Um, I'm teaching some students right now that um, actually like we went to school with that are our age who like really are looking for like a review on, on music theory um, because they're like, you know, I think at the time in like my late teens, early twenties, I just like wasn't really dialed into 
have the the space in my my brain and my time management to like dig into those things because I I knew what I wanted to do like I wanted to like be productive like as a person in a band and and it's just it's just funny to see the way that we create metrics for people where it's like I know people that were getting really good grades but like weren't getting any gigs and I know people that were playing gigs all the time and like could barely even make it to class so uh it's just so different from person to person. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what I want to give to my students and a really big thing has been this very deep understanding. And, you know, I know you and I were discussing a little bit earlier um, how moving lessons into an online format has just kind of offered like a whole new, uh, a whole new landscape for like how to think about teaching somebody. Right. For me, a lot of that has just been realizing, like, I want to make sure that I am cultivating every single lesson to really be in tune with what that student wants to get out of it. And, um, you know, like, yes, we had like applied lessons and like, yes, we did have opportunities in school to, to personalize the content. But I think that when I was in school, um, I was so... I had not evolved into the person that I am now where like I have like a really strong sense of self and like a very strong sense of like the space that I want to take in the world and what I want to do with that. And, you know, I think at the time, like I, my strengths were like music theory. Um, I hadn't ever taken lessons on guitar. Uh, so that was like new. And um, I was such a like brainy person that for me, it was like, I was so scared of getting bad grades. I was also on scholarship, so I couldn't really afford to like not do well in some classes so that I could focus that energy into the classes that I actually like really cared about, like the music classes. Um, And I look back on that time and I think about like learning how to improvise and like how scared it made me. And there was just so much at play. It was so much more than the content. It was personal level, like we're just talking my experience. Um, Just feeling like I knew I was really different from my other students, purely from a demographic standpoint. Um, I was the only woman in the program, in the guitar program since the 80s. And I always felt like it was kind of weird the way that that was tacked on to like my identity there because it made me feel like one, like there was a lot of pressure in that. And then two, uh, I just wanted to be another student. You know, I remember walking into a jury and I won't name names, but everyone there knows who it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I walked into a jury after working my ass off that semester. And the first comment I got was that it was so interesting to have a student that was wearing a skirt and I totally botched my jury and I knew it like I didn't need to be coddled I didn't need to be like oh like that was pretty good I'm there I'm like literally paying money to learn things and get like real feedback like that is why I'm there and um I felt like the feedback I was getting just kind of wasn't honest and I was in my head like trying to figure out like am I being like, am I looking too far into the situation or like, you know, just in real time, like trying to assess what was happening. And I remember saying something like, Hey, like, 
I know I have this weird role here is like the only whatever, but like, I need your real feedback. Like I need to grow, like I'm here to grow. And, you know, outside of that specific situation, um, it's so funny to think about like what I thought improvising was at the time, because for my understanding, it was like, cool, like you're gonna learn the way that theoretically you can like within the realm of music theory, you can play things that will uh, either fit into this set of changes or you can expand on those set of changes. Um, and it's just so interesting to me that like what was supposed to be the most freeing part of our education to me felt like the scariest. And I've been dissecting like why for like the last however many years. And it's really only been like the last few months that I'm like, oh my God. I think what was happening was that like one, um, my academia, like academic mind was afraid of making mistakes. So that's a whole thing. Two, um, I just was so concerned about what people were thinking of me like in real time and like afraid of like letting people down and also like just didn't know how to take up space the, other, the way that other people did. Like it literally took me years to realize that half of the things that people say, like they don't actually know. Like I'd hear like dudes in like my classes be like, oh yeah, man, like and this and you know, like Pro Tools and like, yeah, all these plugins, like they're super sick. And I'd be sitting there like as an, as the kind of person that like takes people at their word, I'm like, right. oh my God, everyone is like so smart. And like, really they're just kind of like, repeating stuff. game of just being like yeah like I totally know what's going on you know and I'm sitting there like I'm thinking if I am not confident in my own skills to act that way it must mean that I don't have those skills right I mean so um yeah I don't need I like I could go so far deep into this I don't know like how deep you want to go but it goes deep <laughs> I love it uh, I love it um so, one one thing you mentioned and I had I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but I remember when you first um, when you first started out there, you brought that up to me that you had been told you were the first female since the 80s to be in the guitar program. And there was like 500 kids in the guitar program, which by odds is like, I mean, very, very, very small. Um, what does, does that say more about what does that say more about that it had been that long? And then also the fact that there was a second one the next year. Um, right. And yeah. I don't know if it's continuing to grow because I don't know what the numbers are at CU Denver. Um, I would hope that they're continuing to grow, but I don't know. Um, what do you think that says uh, about society in, in either a, you know, a, a way that's getting better or not getting better? I don't know. But what does that say about society? And what does that say maybe about um, musical influences. Do you think that says something about women for a long time feeling like they didn't have uh, influences to look up to for whatever reason? Yeah, it's such a good question. And I've, I've wondered about that for the last decade. Um, and because I don't have like access to like the statistics of who applies or like who tries out for the program, like there's only so many answers that we can objectively come up with. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, the last like five years, especially, um, I mean, like, so when I graduated college, a couple years later, I started volunteering for this organization called Girls Rock and Denver has a chapter. 
And um, the purpose of it is to create that visibility that you kind of just referenced of like, you know, so that younger female identified youth um, have people to like look at and, and be like, oh, I can do that. Cause there's so much subconscious stuff that happens in our developmental years, you know? And so I'm not sure if at this point um, there's just kind of more of that visibility for younger generations to even subconsciously as like young children think like, oh, I can do that. You know, um, I don't know how many people may or may not have uh, tried out for that specific program that, that I was in at school. So I, I don't, I don't know. That was always the mystery to me. Right. And to right. be honest, a huge part of that, like I always had this insecurity of like, am I being tokenized right now? Like, would your, wouldn't your program benefit from having not just a woman, but a woman of color here? Cause right now it's like a lot of white dudes and definitely any institution uh, is looking for that kind of demographic diversity. And I mean, imagine being like accepted into school and then in the back of your mind, you're like wondering like, am I here? Cause I deserve to be here because of my skill level. Or am I here because I'm being tokenized and like, they're kind of like letting me in, you know, which is why in that jury botching something and being like, Oh, that was okay. It was kind of like, no dude, like be real with me. Like, that's why I'm here. Like, this is my life. This is my time. This is my money, you know? Right. But so, so maybe did you have some feelings of inadequacy when you got there wondering if you were there because of who you were or what you represented to the school rather than your ability at the time? Definitely. And that's, and that's not to say that I didn't think I was skilled. Like I knew, I knew I was skilled. Um, but then, you know, being a few months into the program and just being young, like we were 17. Like I remember you and I were younger than everyone else too. Right. Um, yeah. being like 17, away from home for the first time, definitely othered from what everyone else looked like. Um, it was like this, like this little like gremlin in the back of my mind where like, I didn't consciously put it there. It was just kind of like, it was just kind of there, you know? And, uh, and as far as like what that whole situation says about society, um, such a good question. I mean, really, I think it just is another example as to like why it's so important for people to have uh, visibility and, and for people to like be able to have people to look up to that come from similar backgrounds. Um, not because without them, they won't be skilled because it doesn't have anything really to do with their skill. But without that, um, there's just so many more psychological barriers that are invisible because other people aren't going through them. So they just like, don't even know. And I wouldn't expect anyone to know. Right. I mean, at the point where we are in the world, like I'm hoping everyone's kind of like, how much about other people do I not understand? Cause I think that's been like a big thing that we've all been asking ourselves the last few months myself. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's loaded. There's a lot to say. I know there's a lot to say. There's a lot of there's a lot of routes to take, um, but I I appreciate you opening up to that uh, that part of that part of your your time at CU Denver, you know, and and not just you know CU Denver, but growing up, you know. 
Yeah. And, you know, again, like, I'm super grateful for my experience there. Like, I talked to Muso over Facebook the other day, for whatever reason, I actually can't remember. And like, <laughs> nice. Bless Muso forever, you know, <laughs> like, um, I don't say any of these things as a reflection as, you know, to like, flaws of the program. It's more just about our world and the things that we don't see that are happening. Um, one thing I, I do kind of want to follow up with to just kind of offer a little bit more uh, context for like all the things I just talked about is like, you know, the last few months I've been deconstructing um, how white supremacy is alive within myself because it's in all of us because it's our society that we live in and sure. a big part of what I've been realizing is that um, I allow it to flow through me through code switching culturally where like you know as a kid when I started preschool and like I didn't really speak English like I remember this dude like I was two years old and I remember going into a classroom where like everyone was like white and blonde and I didn't know what they were saying and I was like oh shit and I remember that and I would cry every day and I think about that and I realize in my youngest years I somehow learned like okay Julia like if you want to make a place for yourself in the world that you're in you have to assimilate to what's going on around you 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 have to like take whatever it is that makes you different and like kind of turn it off sometimes so that other people feel comfortable around you and that's not necessarily saying anything negative about these like innocent two-year-olds we're all innocent right <laughs> but yeah. then I think about that and I think about being in college and I was just so used to not creating space for myself and I was so used to trying to tune into what other people were doing because in my brain super subconsciously it was like oh if I want to succeed I have to do what other people are doing. And when you're going to school for music, uh, you know, specifically a creative endeavor, um, not having a strong sense of self, I could have passed all my classes and learned all the shit. But if I didn't graduate with a strong sense of self, like eventually that was going to have to be figured out. And I feel like that's where I am now. Um, I wish I could go back and like feel like I had the space to like improvise and like actually say something instead of try to like play the right notes so that like no one would judge me which doesn't work because then you're just insecure and if you're insecure you're scared and if you're scared you're not really making a statement that you want to be making right so that's like my that's the shit i've been thinking about well, and so maybe maybe a, a very similar it'll might be a very similar thing to what you just said. But if you were if we're in a, a non-COVID world, and there is a seventeen-year-old Julia heading off to see you Denver next week, next week. Oh yeah, because it's that time. It's that time. Yeah, she's going off. She came from Green River, Wyoming, and she's going to see you Denver. Uh, she is just like you in every way, personality, everything. Um, background it's an it's a clone like me then, or just like me now it's a no you then it's a clone okay. of you then okay. uh at, you know 11 years ago whatever and she is going to sit down with you for 
just a couple minutes before first class. What do you say? Oh my God. <laughs> a, minute, a couple minutes isn't enough time, but I'll try. I know, uh, I know. Yeah, I mean, I think I would try my very best to tell her in some kind of summarized way what I just told you of like, hey, all the people you think you have to please, all of the like abstract things that you think you have to assimilate to in order to like be seen at all. Actually, if you don't worry about assimilating to everyone and you worry about like figuring out what you want to do with not just your time, but with this education that you're about to receive, like what do you want to do with that? Like you're going to get so much more out of it like tune out of like what you think everyone wants from you and like tune into like the conversations you haven't even thought to have had with yourself yet. Yeah. And then 17 year old me would be like, I don't know. It sounds like a lot. I'm really scared. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, like, two minutes is up. Have fun in class. I just want to get good grades. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about um, what all you've accomplished since school um you've played in a bajillion bands you test synthesizers you you still play in bands you're still out actively touring when we can do that sort of thing um what sort of uh, what sort of evolved after school i know you were in a couple bands during school that kind of kept going but what um what are some of the biggest things that happened right after uh, graduating great question yeah oh memory lane okay um, so I graduated fall of 2013 and um, I had been planning during my undergrad to get a master's because I wanted to be like a theory professor and through the mentorship of some of my teachers at UCD kind of realized that wasn't the life path I wanted to take just yet uh, just being that like getting a master's is super expensive and getting one in music is intense <laughs> Yeah. considering set expenses yeah and um that as like a direct you know career it, it's a lot more than just like getting a degree and getting a job and i remember one of our teachers it was drew morell he was like the the last applied lessons teacher i had um before i graduated and he was like you know he's like i think it'd be really cool for you to like tour and like play and like do the things that you can do when you're young it's like if you wake up when you're like older a couple decades from now and you still really want to get your masters there's a bunch of people in their 40s getting their masters dude like you don't have to do that right now right and initially i was like are you crazy like you're my teacher and you're telling me not to go to school like right I'm at school right now you know and uh i'm so i'm so glad that i let that advice um you know kind of seep into my decision making. Um, yep. So after after school, I decided like, okay, like I'm just gonna focus on playing music and seeing what that looks like. And at the time I was um, with a band called Inner Oceans and we were, we were very, very dedicated. Like when I met Griff, uh, he basically was like, he sat me down, we went to a coffee shop and he was like, I have a five year plan. And I was like, sick. I love this. Who starts a band and is like, hey, five-year plan. This is what we're doing. And he's like, I'm looking for people that are dedicated and responsible and like versatile. And I was like, pick me. So um, cool. 
we started that project with our, well, we didn't really all know each other at the time, but it was Griff and Charlie and I at the time. And um, yeah, that spring we went to South by, that summer we rented a cabin in uh, outside of Bailey, Colorado for a whole month and we wrote a bunch of music and it was a super uh, potent time. It was really great. Like all of that energy that like I had been wanting to dedicate to being creative, um, that was a project during that time that like allowed me that outlet and through really great friendship and just very intentional goals. We did Film on the Rocks that year. Um, I was also playing in another group with Chris and Rodrigo called Freaky North. And that was, that was a really important part of like me kind of uh, learning how to just like take risks creatively. Uh, it was pretty experimental context. Um, but I just, w I just was a space where I felt very comfortable pushing the limits of sound, um, both like in terms of like effects and in terms of harmony. Um, and so it was, it was a really, that those like year or two were really potent in terms of just goal setting and uh, kind of taking all the stuff that I learned in school and not, not throwing it away, but just kind of using it the way that I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, years pass and like things change and people move. Basically what happened is like some people moved and then I felt really lost because my, both of those projects sort of dissolved through people not living in the same place. And um, I was kind of like, oh man, like, have I really just been banking on like a couple of bands to figure out who I am in this world <laughs> post-graduation? Like now it's just like me. Yeah. Um, but that was great because then it got me into the world of gigging and just like being somebody that people could call and ended up doing like a lot of random super fun gigs. Highlight would probably be this like, I don't even know if I told you about this, this like insane gig that I did with um, Devachka doing like a Willy Wonka musical at the Hollywood Bowl. What? <laughs> yeah. Like John Stamos was Willy Wonka and like the kid That's from Stranger. It was insane. It was just like, it was that, that time of, of uh, my twenties was kind of like, just kind of saying yes to anything and being like, okay. And, and fun, random things would happen. Um, but one thing that I just kind of not failed to do, but didn't make intentional time for in, in those years was writing music, which is what I always was doing like privately. Uh, but I wasn't dedicating any time to it. I think a big part of that is still that thing of like me not really realizing like the space that that I can take up uh, because I just you know didn't didn't really feel like I just didn't really know how to do that like I know that sounds crazy to say and like it's hard to explain but it's such a subconscious thing that like I'm still digging through that you know um, so yeah I a big turning point for me was when um, I I got a call from Luz in Ilabamba to to tour with them, and she was like, "This was uh, fall of 2018," and she was like, "Hey, like I'm looking for like someone to do vocals and like play like keys," and I was like, "I'm so glad." And I at first I didn't know what to say because I was like, "I'm primarily like a guitarist and a bassist, like I can kind of do these things, but I don't know." But it was such a exciting opportunity I was like is this like a 
like, do I tell them? And then I realized like, you have to tell them, like, you can't just be that asshole that shows up and is like, Hey, like, you know, so I remember FaceTiming her and I was like, look, like, I'm never primarily either of these roles. And this would be something for me where I'd have to learn quickly. I feel confident in being able to do that, but definitely like I respect your vision and I love your music. And I just want you to feel like you have all the support within your band to excel in what you do. And if that's with me, awesome. And if it's not awesome, can't wait to see your show. And I was like really ready for her to just be like, Oh, like, thanks for being honest. Like, okay. Like, I'm going to maybe find someone else. Um, But she was like, dude, let's try it. Let's just do it. Like the tour is in two months. Meet me in Portland. I'll fly you out there. We'll rehearse for a week and then we'll go on tour. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Like. (laughs) How did, how did the relationship with her begin? Totally. So um, the person, the people that connected us were our friends, Stealth and Dorota. They're both musicians. They're married. Um, and Dorota used to tour with Ilabamba doing vocals as like an interim band member. Um, or I don't know if it started out as like interim, but she did like a, a couple of tours with them, I think. And then uh, she is actually like a scientist. She got this awesome job. I don't know, doing something with like biology and water. I don't know. Anyway, so she, she yeah. had to quit. And uh, Stealth um, is someone that I know from, from like Denver music world. And uh, he used to tour in a band that toured with Loose. So when he was in the Lumineers, I think Loose was opening up for them right before they kind of hit their like crazy time. Yeah. Uh, So that's how that connection happened. And then, yeah, uh, 2019 rolled around. I spent literally every single night of January memorizing all of these very, very wordy, beautiful lyrics. (laughs) most of them in Spanish. And it blew my mind to sing in Spanish and realize that I had never even thought of like writing in Spanish. And it's my first language. And that was like the very beginning of me realizing like how much of myself I have like shoved down like deep inside to assimilate and to like fit into the world that I find myself in. Yeah. And uh, just, we toured all of last year. I was gone probably like more than half of the year and just learned so much not just about touring but just just about who we are as people and like what we do with that information as musicians as creatives that have the privilege to do things like go on tour and like where the responsibilities lie and making that um important outside like our own personal goals and uh yeah, we just finished like a month long tour in February and uh, right before COVID hit. So my last show with them was in LA. Um, I was covering on bass and it was so much fun. And I just remember having this weird feeling like I flew out to meet them there. I couldn't do a few of the shows beforehand. Um, and Isabeau jumped on while I was gone. Yeah. And I met them all in LA. And I just, I remember like driving down Welton the night before I flew out and um i like turned in my ballot for the primaries i got to the airport it was apparent that covid was like maybe gonna be a real thing because everyone's was acting real weird yeah (laughs) i just remember that whole day being like i just feel like everything that happened today is gonna end up being a big deal later (laughs) and here we are 
So and we are, and it and it did end up being a big deal, and it still and it still is. And it still is, but hey, we're still doing we're still doing the things. We're still doing the things, um, and so just to for for people listening that um, listen to the podcast and have heard the name Ilabamba before in a previous episode, and you're trying to connect the dots, um, I think four or five episodes. Um, I had Isabel Vayau Walker on and she and I chatted for a long time and it was a great conversation and she is in that group as well and also has her own solo project and just put out a debut EP called Better Metric. Beautiful record. Boom. Just did that plug. Bang. Yeah, it's so good. It's that, really, really good. Those, those songs definitely got me through some tough emotions a couple months ago. So, And I know that she just got the vinyl. So to extend that plug, there's vinyl, and there's vinyl. vinyl. <laughs> she has, and she has a really great social media presence as well. She's, She's somebody who does it very well. You see those people who are just themselves and unapologetically themselves, and I think everybody tries to do that online, but few people um, oh, yeah. are able to. And she does, I think. So yeah, she's, you know. she's one of my favorites. Um, and so you'll tour with them again when that happens i assume when that happens <laughs> there is talk as of today of like maybe meeting up in portland in september in a as safely as possible way this is a terrible i don't know if you just heard that but that was yeah like, was like omen <laughs> in a really safe way yeah um, there comes the cops and uh, getting together and, and playing a whole set and just recording it. So not doing a live show, but just getting to play a show together that we can share with the world. I don't know if that's going to happen yet, but there's talk of that. So, yeah. Uh, um, and, and one last question about that group before moving on to some other, uh, some other things. Um, Bamba's really taken off in the last couple of years. Um, they've, they've, you guys have gained a lot more fans and are playing bigger clubs what is that like to go on the road and have fans and lots of them everywhere you go? I know that sounds like a dumb question, but uh, oh, so many of us awesome. have toured for so long <laughs> and don't have that. And, and it's really cool. Um, it must be really cool to hit some sort of a tipping point, whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're showing up places and you're selling tickets. There's a market value. Uh, what's that like doing doing shows like that? Yeah, I mean, well, first first off, my my uh, role in that is like I'm kind of like along for the ride. Like I'm not writing the songs. Um, I still have yet to like record with them. So as as someone that's being hired to tour, uh, who hasn't been in the project during the many years of its growth. Um, for me, it's just kind of like, I guess I've, I'm like realizing I've been compartmentalizing my own emotions about it uh, with how I see and imagine and know that Luce feels as the person who it's like her project, you know, for me, um, it just has demanded that I show up in ways that I um, have been really excited to learn about, 
meaning like especially since unless I'm subbing on on bass or guitar which does happen like we went to Spain last year and our guitarist couldn't come so I play the guitar parts or if our bass player can't come I do the bass parts um but just just understanding especially you know playing role of vocalist and like synth player which in the past were not my my primary roles of just like tuning into like what is happening in the moment with the people there i feel like it's crazy to think about my 17 year old self and like playing at general recital at school and like any audience was like a threat to me like any audience was a potential for like uh judgment yeah and not that i don't experience those emotions still like sometimes i'm still like oh god yeah <laughs> but for the most part it's like looking to connect and that's easy for me to say because it's not my project like that weight doesn't fall on me we're not there because of me um so as someone that has the role that i have i have like the opportunity to kind of look out there and i recognize like when i watch people in the audience watch loose perform i see how much they connect and like how much of themselves they feel like is being ignited through the way that she's been able to put those similar sentiments into musical form. Um, and so I'm just trying to support that. I don't want to detract from it. I don't want to mess up. <laughs> I don't want to be a distraction to that in any way. Um, and as far as like having bigger shows happen while the tours are progressing, uh, because it's like my first time touring to this extent, uh, a lot of the venues that people are like, oh my God, we're playing this venue tonight. Like, I don't even know what it is. Like, I just kind of get there and then I'm like, oh, okay. This venue, yeah. Venue. Um, but again, it's it's always kind of about that. I, I will say, um, I did feel very different like playing bass for that last show in LA. That, that show was very important to us. Um, it was with this other band called Combo Chimbita who check them out, I'll send you their music, but they're yeah. incredible. And um, it's just so much, Andy, because it's, it, it is wild to me how this band that I'm touring with also happens to be a band that I've learned so much about myself with, like on a deep level as, as someone who's also like Mexican-American with immigrant parents and the way that Luce is to share that like i don't know it it uh it's so much more than like the venue capacity it's 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 really like holy shit all these people not all of them but so many of the people here have similar experiences that like i didn't even realize i wasn't allowing to be a part of my outward identity until now and and so it feels very uh just really potent um but i you know and i'm not going to speak for loose because one i don't think that that's okay <laughs> and two uh yeah i just i wouldn't want to put words in her mouth but i will say that like watching her adapt to the changes that have been happening in her career that are you know on the outside like a hundred percent amazing uh there's complexities that come with that and I can't speak for them because I'm not in her position. Um, but I can say that 
they exist. And I know that in a way that I didn't know before. And uh, yeah, but I, I just feel really lucky and and not not in a like because of that luck and because of my inherent <laughs> guilty conscience where I'm like, do I deserve this? Mm. It just makes me want to show up in the right ways, you know. That I don't know. Is that yeah. yeah, and I, I think that's um, you know, from what you said, it sounds like the experience has gone much further than than just a musical experience for you and and has led to a lot of growth in a lot of positive ways absolutely i mean like oh my god (laughs) yeah and how do you how now that you've been singing in a in group and singing a lot singing a lot of lyrics and playing synth how do you how do you feel now that you've brought in from guitar bass and now you've got you're doing synth and vocals too like is this something where if somebody called you up for a random synth gig or a random gig doing vocals as well would you take it i would totally take it and i i actually had taken a couple of like like i had a couple people ask me to record vocals on their stuff which at the time i was like what <laughs> like are you sure <laughs> <laughs> um but i i would absolutely do that um and i think it's, it was kind of this missing component for myself as well, where like, while I've been like in quarantine or whatever, uh, I've been lucky enough to have the resources at this point to like record at home a lot. And it feels really good to be able to record my own vocals and record my own synth parts and bass and guitar. And I don't think I'm gonna be learning drums anytime soon. So I'll reach out, out there, anyone out there that wants to record drums, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it on, on that level of just like learning a new learning new skills and like nurturing them. That's been really great. And also, oh my god, like the Spanish version of it too, you know, like something right. that has been asking me to do a lot recently is like really tap into the way that she enunciates. Like our Spanish is different, you know, like my dad is from the Basque region in Spain, so I have like a tinge of like a different accent and also I haven't been using my Spanish for a long time. So there's definitely this uh, skill that's like beyond like, you know, singing uh, just, you know, like melodies, but like using my mouth in a really specific way and uh, not letting like my ego get in the way of understanding how important it is that as a, as a vocalist to like really just listen, like, oh my God. I feel yeah. like vocalists don't get enough credit. Like, I don't know if it's like, if that's just in my head, but it is the hardest shit. <laughs> Excuse my language. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> like, um, so those that do it really well, oh my God, bless you. you. You grew up speaking both English and Spanish, correct? I know yeah. I, I heard a conversation with, I don't even remember where this was and I'm sure it happened several times, but I remember one time we were together and your mom called and she was talking to you in Spanish and you were responding back in English, but sometimes you would respond in Spanish. And I I remember thinking like, how is she processing these two things back and forth? And how is she deciding which language to respond in? (laughs) (laughs) You want to know the truth? Yeah. I'm like trying to speak in Spanish. And when like, I can't think of a word, I just like go into English because it's my stronger language at this point. Right. But 
but yeah, oh, it's it's fun that you remember that. Absolutely, and I want to talk a little bit about the synth world. Um, you've been talking about playing synth. You also you work with synths on a nine to five basis. Well, lately it's been like seven uh, yeah. to two a.m. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I do, I do. Um, so do you? uh you you test them what it, what's the process like would could you create one from scratch what's i i know nothing about uh, for as into different keyboard sounds as i am and i'm a keyboard player i don't know anything about what's inside of a synth or what goes into it um i know that's a very broad question but it's no, awesome. me on it <laughs> Well, so um, the synths that we, we do modular synthesizers. So we do have like one, uh, this like system that we sell that has like an actual keyboard with like a module rack like above it. But so um, all of our stuff is like Euro rack modules. So basically, uh, I wish I like had, do you want me to go, do you want me to show you what I'm talking about? Oh my gosh, yeah. Here? Okay, I'll be right back. For people watching on YouTube, show us for, I'll, I'll, I'll say thanks to the sponsors while you're Oh my God, perfect. You need like elevator music too. I need elevator music in the background. For people watching on YouTube, you're going to see what this looks like. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you won't. Um, I want to say thanks to PQ Mastering. Patrick Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. Yes, that Patrick, Julia. And for any of I was wondering, people, oh my God, hi and Patrick. For, <laughs> for any of your audio or restoration needs, go to www.pqmastering.com. Also, Narrator Music, uh, who provides simple and affordable licensing on music for sync. For more information on them and their music, and go to www.pqmastering.com www.narratormusic.com. Yes, it's Patrick. It's that Patrick. Patrick Badgley? <laughs> yep. Yep, Badgley. Badgley. I just oh. chatted with him today. How is Patrick? Patrick, hi. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, he's going to have to listen to this. He's mastering it. Um, oh yeah, he's living, in, he's living in Vegas with his wife. And, oh, you know. I remember when he when he was like, I'm gonna ask her to marry me, and I was like, Oh my god. I know. I wow. know. They started they, they're coming up on like what, like eight years or something? They've been married, they got married in twenty fourteen. I was just like, What year is it? And I was like, Oh yeah. Twenty twenty. They've been yeah, that year. They've been married for six years, they've been together for like ten or something. So, That's beautiful. Uh, hi Patrick. Well, this is the stuff that we build. So you'll see these, a bunch of them all together in racks. This one specifically is called an architect. It, this is, this module is super rad. It is basically um, what you can create arpeggios with. You can see like a little keyboard up here. So uh, you can do a bunch of stuff. But anyway, the way that they're built, and then I'll tell you what my role in the company is, is um, so basically like these like boards, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they come unpopulated, which means it's just this green thing and all these little components, um, they get put on there through what's called a pick and place machine. And then they get put on, they go through an oven and that's what Matt Tanner does. Matt has like the scariest job at work. Like if you mess this up, like you're gonna have a bad time. Matt Tanner, um, who we went to school with and played in ensembles with. Oh yeah. And actually my boss went to UCD as well, as well as like some other people, which is crazy, but he was there before we were there. Okay. Um, so yeah, so the small components get on, get put on through the machine, 
and then like all this other stuff like the pots and the switches and the cv jacks uh they get put on through what's called like through hole process so that's people like soldering them onto their like all the leds like this all gets soldered by humans um and then the panels now we're like making our own panels with this crazy machine but that's a whole other thing anyway when they get to me they're fully built okay uh, and what i do uh depending on the module is they a lot of them have to be programmed so i'll program them uh which essentially just means i like plug them into a computer and they receive firmware and then um which is easy for me <laughs> i'm just like and they're like, oh, you're programming then? I'm like, yeah, I'm like hooking them up to a computer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, a lot of these have to be calibrated. So, for example, like we have an oscillator called a spectrum, and the oscillator is going to be like your, you know, that's like your source of sound. Uh, we'll create like different kinds of waves, so saw wave, a sine wave, all those things. Um, but that one, it's precision. So, that means that like it has to be super freaking in tune. And so my job is literally to sit there and stare at a strobe tuner and tune all of these so they're really perfect. So for anyone out there listening that maybe uses these things, I promise you a lot of time is going into making sure that they're tuned. Um, I sometimes joke that I think that the reason I got put, because I started out in shipping and when they moved me, uh, I got promoted to be in the testing room and I feel like it's because I'm a perfectionist. I don't know this, but I'm assuming I'm like the person that's like always wandering around me like, there's something wrong with this and like, blah, blah. And they're like, you know what? Why don't we just put you in this room and that can just be your job and you can just tell us what's wrong with, with shit. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pay you. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. So my job is to be like, there's something wrong with this. Um, and then, yeah, just functionality tests. So I get to learn what every module does and uh, how to use it with other modules. And I make sure that everything is functional before it goes out into the field. And that is that's my job. That is fascinating. So if something is wrong, um, you send it back through the assembly line? Oh, great question. So if something's wrong, it either gets sent to a wonderful human named Phil, who also went to UCD. Him and Matt were in an, a Latin ensemble together before we showed up. Like okay. him and he and Matt were in Latin ensemble, I think the year before you and I were with Matt and Jazz Ensemble. Oh my god. It's crazy. Times. I love I <laughs> um, so if something's wrong, they'll either go to Phil, who's a total genius. This dude is the most humble and also smartest person I've ever met. He for fun, just so you understand who this guy is. He, for fun, created like essentially a dissertation on creating an equation, like an, a formula to calculate um, the length of a record groove. Like for fun, he like sat down and was like, how, what formula could I create so that like people could be like, this is how long the record groove is if it's not in the shape of a circle or like a, I, I don't even, it's not even a circle. I don't even know, a spiral. I don't even understand the question. I don't even understand the question. <laughs> the length of a record groove. Do, who would even think to try to figure that out? Yeah, Phil's the shit. And he, when there's something like mysterious that's wrong, things will go to Phil. Mechanical issues will go to Phil. And then if Phil is swamped with any kind of work because he does other stuff too at the shop, uh, they'll go to my boss, Bill. And so that's, so then 
after they're fixed, uh, they come back to me or the other person, Jenny, who's my manager and very good friend. And, um, and, then, and then we say, this shall pass. And then it passes. So you're the last resort. Like you can't let any shit go by. Yeah. If it gets by you. Now in college, you used to do this all the time. When somebody started saying something like smart, you. I don't even remember that. You used to do that all the time. You push up invisible glasses. But now that I actually need glasses, I'm doing this to you right now. (laughs) Oh, Andy. Well, that is, so how, how did you end up doing that? And do you love it? Such good questions. Um, so before I got this job, I was working at a restaurant as a barista, which was a great day job for like being a musician mm-hmm. uh, to a certain extent, but not a great day job for an introvert. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, oh my God. And I was like working in this neighborhood that I don't know, it's just lots of entitlement happening there. Uh, I won't name names of any sort. But anyway, um, I was really thinking a lot. I was like, man, I would love a job where I just don't talk to people. Like I talk to my coworkers, but like I don't want to interact with the public. Like I want to reserve that for music and for like friendships and for going out to shows. Cause it got to a point where like I was, I would come home from work and just be like so zapped by like human interaction and then go to a show and like see people that I love and want to be like, Hey, what's up? But just kind of like zombie my way through life. And uh, yeah, I was hanging out with my good friend, Jake Wary that used to work at WMD. And he was like, dude, WMD is hiring. Like you should apply. And what and does that brain, stand for? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, William Matthewson devices. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Imagine, uh, imagine me going through the airport with things that say WMD. That's a whole situation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, so I, uh, I kind of thought like, well, it's kind of a long shot. Like, I don't know anything about building synthesizers, but I'll try. And, you know, I, I got the job. They hired me to do shipping, which was actually really cool because we ship to places all over the world. And it was just like really exciting to kind of see what this network is like and to see what kind of weird, uh, world Euro rack is and and it, it was cool it like kind of created this exciting understanding of like how small the world really is and um and then I, I did do some through hole stuff like I was soldering things for a while as well I did a little bit of everything um and now I'm in testing but I actually had start right before COVID happened I started I made a deal with my boss <laughs> I was like hey you're letting me tour like a lot He's like, yeah, it's, he always jokes, but it still scares me. He's like, yeah, it's like crazy that you still have a job. And I'm like, but yeah. like, how crazy though? You know, like, what do you mean when you say that? How crazy is it really? Um, and I was like, I just want you to know, like, I want to, I want to help out when I'm gone. And I play, you know, I go into music stores all the time. People ask me about my synth setup all the time. And I, I don't actually do any modular stuff for Ilabamba, but I still, you know, you talk about music, you talk about instruments, you talk about gear. And I was like, what if I did demos while I was on the road? And he was like, oh, cool. So I started doing demos for our pedal line. The pedals are super sick. Um, And that was really exciting. Like it was the kind of thing where like during the day, we we, like planned it out. We found the days where like there'd be enough time to go do um, a demo before sound check. 
And I was super stoked about it because it was just a really fun way to like network and meet other people and make that world even smaller in a really good way. So that's, that's what I do there. And maybe one day we'll go back to doing that. But for now, I'll just be testing all your stuff. Are any of these videos out in the world? Videos? Like uh, demos? Oh, so I was doing like in-person demos. Um, oh, Alex Anderson oh, 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 okay. our like social media and like Not website that. stuff. Um, yeah, I was like, I was straight up just like rolling into like music shops with like a suitcase that had a pedal board in it and being like, yo, what's up? We have a meeting today at two. Want to talk about pedals? And actually the first one was one of those situations where I was like, God, this is the kind of story that I want to tell Drew Morell so bad because it's just like, how am I in this situation? Um, it was, it was amazing and I, I love the person that I met but uh, it was on the last tour and we have this pedal called the Geiger counter and it basically is a bit crusher and it can have the craziest distorted sounds and uh, I went to this really cool little music shop in Asheville met this awesome dude that like has his own label and he's like probably like in his 50s or something but like, it, he has gone to a lot of shows in his life, and I he told me that, like, he has definitely lost some hearing. So all of a sudden, I'm just sitting there with this, like, dude, and he's playing through one of those, like, Roland Cube amps, like a solid-state amp, and he's got shit turned up, like, so loud <laughs> going through this pedal, and it's just like... <sighs> like so insane and oh I'm sitting gosh. there and I'm like oh my god I'm gonna go deaf today and I was like I don't know what to do no one prepared me for this situation and he's just sitting there he's literally saying make it crazier make it crazier and I'm just like turning the knob like oh my god <laughs> so it's a trip but that's what I do I finally told him I was like hey this is a little loud for me and he was like oh I'm so deaf I'm so sorry <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> me too now <laughs> oh my gosh that sounds awesome. Um, so as a, as a final question ish, um, unless there's, unless there's anything else we need to talk, talk about, there's we probably go through these photos. <laughs> we got to go through the photos. Okay. You want to we'll go through the photos. I love it. Um, so my final pre photo question, um, you've done all this cool stuff. You've accomplished a ton. Um, is there anything is there a specific goal or a thing in mind that you really want to do? Is there, um, is, yeah. Is there a specific place you see yourself in 10 or 20 years? Um, where are you, where, where are you at with things and where do you see yourself? Oh man. I was hoping you were going to say like five years, but 10 to 20 is like, oh. <laughs> five, five. yeah. No, yeah. Uh, thanks for asking that question. And, and thanks for the things that you've said. I appreciate that so much. Um, you know, kind of two answers that do and don't coincide. Uh, one, um, I've loved learning how versatile I can be. And I love like kind of just taking on new things. Like when I was working at WMD at first, or like doing the tour with Ila Bamba, like, um, yeah, I, I definitely, that's just a part of my personality and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I, I do hope to have a lot of new experiences that I, I couldn't even in this moment imagine, uh, just out of trying new things. Um, but also, um, I'm really excited to be working on an album right now that is full of my own music. 
and um, definitely I'm utilizing all these things that I've learned um, not just like sonically but in terms of like just my personal experience um, and I don't know exactly what that's gonna look like because right now it's in baby stages and I'm making demos at home you know home recording studio style um, and so as far as like putting together a specific group, like I'm not really thinking about that right now, but I just really want, whenever it is that I die, <laughs> not to get intense, but I just wanna know that I, I've lived a life where I've learned how to create space for myself to like say something. And yeah. uh, I feel very much awakened and in, in that part of my life right now. And um, so I don't know if that's the kind of thing where like, I don't know if I really uh, will want to like tour whatever project that ends up being like extensively. Like I really like supporting other people also. Like I feel like, um, I don't know. I definitely feel loyalty to the people that I work with in a way where uh, it's something that I wanna keep on doing but simultaneously I'm excited to create my own things. And um, yeah, that's a very vague answer, but I don't want to have one answer to that question. I love that. I love that. You know what I've, I, one thing I love about you and always have in, and it's been like refreshed in the last hour or so of talking with you is I feel like I've sort of had the same goal since I was 15, right? Like, sure other side things have come up but i've had like this one thing i want to do like i want to fill bluebird size venues playing original music and so every opportunity that comes along i ask myself will this opportunity help me get there and it's very like it's it's it irritates me sometimes that it's that like going towards that and i sit there and second guess decisions like well will that help me get that like, yeah. like, like there's a, like, I'm trying to get here and there's a thing when I get there. And if, if I can just get there, life will be great, you know? Totally. And, and I feel like you've gone through all of these situations and opportunities and you've listened to yourself, listened to your heart and said, this sounds like a good opportunity for me. This doesn't, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. And through that, it seems like you found so many things that uh, make you happy and you're just doing so many awesome things. So I, I love that. No, I appreciate that so much. I also want to say that, you know, I've always loved about you that you, that you are so clear on like where your goals are. Um, I think that that's something that I've really been striving to achieve within myself. And like you're, you have always been one of the people that I think about when I, I think about wanting to be to have more of those qualities uh because dude i just i remember you so much like i remember in college like when you lived in that like basement room with like the bunk bed and oh, you had yeah. board and i remember like you were just always practicing your ass off like you were just so in tune with your goal and i was just kind of like who am i what's happening <laughs> you know but like inwardly like i didn't even realize that that's how i felt um yeah. I, I just felt very pulled in very different directions. And I remember like even, you know, deciding like, do I do performance or do I do recording? Like I want both. Uh, I don't regret that in any way. I'm super glad I did it. But I think I just want to say 
Um, I think having a very focused trajectory has been something that is what's brought you so many successes. And like, I'm just stoked for you because I've just seen you do really, really cool things the last 10 years. And, and I, and I was there when like you were working so hard in the beginning and I know you and I know you're still working just as hard. And if you're not, just pretend that you are, no one has to know. And hey. just <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to say that. So. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that very much. And I, I think um, if there's one thing college taught me about practicing, it's that if you keep a keyboard between your bed and your toilet, it helps. that's so real oh my god oh my god do you want to hear this great analogy that phil and i the person i told you about the, the genius at work yes phil and i were talking on zoom the other night and i was telling him i was like man like i just feel like i'm realizing like what life feels like right now is like how i felt about improvising in college like you know when like you finally understand the changes to the a section and you're like oh yeah like this is where this change happens, this arpeggio works here, I know this will work here, I know to avoid this here, and you feel like really good, you're like, cool, dude, the A section, I get it. And then all of a sudden, like, you move into the B section, and shit changes a lot, and it's like giant steps all of a sudden, and you're like, how is this the same song, and everything I play that I've been playing before sounds really bad. <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah. And Phil just goes, he's like, yeah, 2020 pretty much feels like, hey, are, are we at the bridge? And that shit destroyed me. I was like, oh my God. It's so real. So all of those things That's that we were awesome. doing, it's like life, dude. That's awesome. I remember in, in jazz ensemble when Drew was making us, he oh we, we all improvised and he was pissed because nobody was using 251 licks. This is our question. Uh, was it song for my father? It, yes it was oh my god a minor for like days dude yeah right? but then, is that the same song oh my god i don't even remember uh, uh that was um oh my gosh. god i could multiple choice it i'm sorry but it, anyway there was this two five and he was like there's so many opportunities to play two five one lick so he made everybody do it at a certain measure marker and if you missed it you had to like wait till it came around again and uh you know, it was crazy. It was 32. I remember that. I remember dying in that inside and I was just like, oh no, I don't feel. Oh my gosh. Let's check it. Let's take a quick. For the YouTubers, we have a, we have a slideshow, Julia's Zoom background. That is Matt Tanner, who's a, a co-worker of Julia's oh, now. Yeah. We were college. Matt was in jazz ensemble with us. He was there for our, remember our gig at a, what was it? Herb's? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember herbs. The the poor souls that experienced that were us. Um do you should do you wanna do you wanna do slideshow? Are we ready? Yeah, so, yeah let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just show it. There's a I'll I'll just pick my favorites. Um oh my god, this one's just really sweet. This is a. Uh, oh my gosh my junior recital yeah and then afterwards you and i went out for ice cream april 9th was it it was it april 9th i think it was april 9th something like that i remember that show well oh my god we went out for ice cream after that is great 
Look at those baby faces. I know, dude. Just wait. It gets so much better. Do you remember this guy? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, we're not done yet, Andy. I know you want to be done, but we're not. Oh, this is Bring good. This is good. Bill Clark, Pablo, Julia. Oh it's my gosh. Pat. I was going to say, Pat, I know. Pat. Me. Patrick, KB, KB Tribute, uh, Ian, Kevo. Kevo. I don't, who's top right? This, that's Kevo. This guy. No, Kevo's top left. This guy? Yeah, that, who's that guy? A tie. A tie. Remember a tie? That's a tie. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, dude. Right? Look at you. Look at how stoked you are to have your arm around Bill Clark. You guys love each other. I am stoked to have my arm around Bill Clark. He's stoked too. I can't tell who's more stoked. Honestly. I don't even know what that guy's up to anymore. Crazy stuff. Or a tie. Right? Um, okay. <laughs> One last one. This is the this is the morning that we got up really early to Obama. Sleep. We got yeah. up to get Obama tickets. Look at how tired I look. Look at how stoked you are. What's that guy back there doing? He, that's that right there is the first ever in history photo bomb. That's it right there. <laughs> Wait, if I position myself just right. Uh huh. Do a little. Yeah, there you go. That is perfect. That, hold on. Hold still. Hold still. Hold still. That's good. Oh my gosh, Julia, that's great. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, well, thank you. If you if you would stay on the line with me for a quick second, but I'm going to deactivate the recording button. And uh, before I do so, I just want to say again, thank you so so much for joining me. Um, and uh, I hope to see you in person soon. Oh my God, I hope so. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so good to talk to you and I feel so honored to be a part of your podcast. Likewise. Okay. Wonderful. I can't think of a better way to start this next segment of episodes then with Julia. Thanks so much for coming on, Julia. I really appreciate it. I want to say a quick thanks to sponsors, PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. And for any of your audio or restoration needs, go to www.pqmastering.com. We also have Narrator RF. And if you're looking for simple and affordable licensing for sync, look no further than narratormusic.com. All right, if you have if you enjoy the show, obviously we all say this, go rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to do things that helps the podcast out. I work hard to uh, to put the episodes together and your feedback, your five-star feedback, I should say, um, is much appreciated. And you can listen to the podcast now on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts wherever you listen to your podcast, SoundCloud, and you can watch the episodes on YouTube. I've started putting them up on YouTube so you can see our pretty little faces while you listen. That's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. For any questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, or death threats, you can email me at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Stay safe out there. I'll see you soon. <laughs>